Planet Football Podcast is brought to you by FanDuel, the leader in one-week fantasy football with more winners and more payouts than any other site. Enter promo code PLANET at FANDUEL.com for a bonus match of up to $200. We're also sponsored by the SeatGeek app, the easiest way to find a great deal, pay for your ticket, and get to your seat. Download the SeatGeek app and enter our code PLANET for $20 off your first tickets. You have two friendlies, you have a week plus of training, and then you have the 90 minutes against Mexico. Can he build and plan uh, a team and and, uh, the system and the tactics and the lineup that will win this game in front of him? Welcome to SI's Planet Football Podcast, where each week we discuss the latest in the world of soccer. I am SI.com soccer editor Avi Creditor, joined today by SI senior writer Grant Wall and SI.com's Brian Strauss, both of you in Washington, D.C., ahead of the USA's friendly against Peru at RFK Stadium. So, guys, thanks for joining us from the road, Grant. Uh, the trip down, and then, Brian, it's in your backyard. Yeah, but I was just up in New York. I know. It was great to see you. Grant, how was the trip down? It was good. There's no Brian Strauss statue when I come to Washington, D.C., yet. Uh, we're we're working on that monument. It'll it'll be there, either there or or whenever they decide to to just tear RFK Stadium to the ground. We'll just we'll it just... takes a while for that stuff to get through Congress. Grant, just, just give it a year. <laughs> what gets built first, the Brian Strauss statue or the new DC United Stadium? <laughs> Maybe one and the same. <laughs> uh, anyway, let's uh, let's we're gonna start with the U.S. men's national team talk, and then go uh, toward the transfer window, which which closed uh, just a couple days ago. Talk about some of the big things coming out of there. But we want to start off today with the big news out of U.S. national team camp, and that's Jurgen Klinsmann coming to uh, an early decision on his goalkeeper choice. Uh, he made it pretty clear that Brad Guzan will start against Mexico in the Concacaf Cup. Uh, which is the newly branded name for the one-game playoff that'll send either the USA or Mexico to the Confederations Cup. Um, he's likely to get the start against Peru and Brazil as well, we, we would assume, um, with Tim Howard being the backup after returning from a year-long hiatus. Uh, before we get into talking about that, we actually had Brad Friedel uh, from Fox Sports and the former U.S. national team goalkeeper, of course, uh, on the show a few weeks ago, and we asked him about the Howard Guzan competition, and, and here's what he had to say. Do you uh, play for now or do you play for the for the future? Um, you know, I think uh, uh, Tim took um, took a year off um, with the blessing of of Jurgen. So I don't think there's any animosity between Jurgen and Tim in this regard. I thought uh, Brad Guzan, especially in the uh, in the group stages in the Gold Cup, played very well, made big saves at big times of each game. Um, in the semifinals, um, I I wasn't as critical. At all of Brad, definitely not on the first goal. The second goal, the ball was outside the box. <laughs> How many times do we see that called? So he's a bit unfortunate there. But then he um, then he was probably in the last game against in the third and fourth place game, the only U.S. player to come out with any credit at all. So this will be a um, this will be a big decision by uh, by Jurgen. You have uh, Tim. Tim is uh, is older than Brad, and if you look at what his age would be in the next World Cup, I'm sure Jurgen's going to be looking at that. Jurgen will also have to look at if I if I call Tim in and I play Tim, and things don't work out, can I go back to Brad, or will Brad be too upset at that stage, or he's going to have, or maybe he says, listen, Brad's my guy for the future, and 
And Tim, if you come back, you're going to be my number two. There's a whole host of ways that Jurgen could go with this. Um, you know, it, it just it completely depends on on the uh, the team spirit of when Tim is brought back in, whether he comes in as a number one or as a number two, or if it's a competition for the place and he alternates, whatever it's going to be, how that affects the entire squad, and that's how Jurgen's going to look at it. Um, I personally think that competition is great, and as long as as long as he's honest with both goalkeepers, they're they're the two best goalkeepers that the U.S. have, so they should both be called in and they should battle it out. Um, but I also think that right now, with the way Brad played in the Gold Cup, that when the next game comes around, Brad Brad should be the guy that plays in that game, and it's it would be up to Tim to displace him. Um, but I'm not I'm not the coach. That's just what how I would view it um, from a goalkeeper's psyche. And I'm sure if the roles were reversed, Tim would probably think the exact same way. Uh, so so Grant, you've heard Friedel's comments, and and you've obviously been been around this team and then seen what's going on. Uh, what what do you think of of Klinsmann's early declaration? Is this is this the right move? Is this a surprise move? Is this kind of what you expected? It kind of makes sense to me when you think about it. You know, right now the focus is this October 10th game, the CONCACAF Cup uh, against Mexico. And you really don't want to have a goalkeeper controversy steal a bunch of headlines and, and potentially distract the overall mission between now and October. So now we know Brad Guzan is going to start these two games against Peru and Brazil. He's going to start uh, against Mexico as long as he's healthy. Um, that said, Tim Howard is in camp, so I, I think this was very much orchestrated by Jurgen Klinsmann to to get a competition started for beyond October, uh, and we'll have to wait and see how how long we might it might be before we do see Tim Howard get a game. You know, maybe in one of those World Cup qualifiers in November, uh, but. Uh, there's still an edge to this now that ha- there hasn't been as far as uh, the U.S. goalkeeper position for a really long time with two guys really going after it for number one uh, heading into the World Cup in 2018 or heading into World Cup qualifying. And uh, there is more of an edge. You know, Tim Howard uh, says, I, I, I'm not a backup. I don't see myself as a backup. And, and I understand that. He really hasn't been one in club or country for a very long time. Uh, and yet... Brad Gazan is the number one keeper and doesn't want to give that up. So we haven't seen that in a long time with the U.S. And competition, I think, is a good thing as long as uh, Guzan and Howard don't end up at each other's throats. And, and knowing these guys and the history they have with each other, I don't think they will. Brian, I know we, we talked about this a bit uh, last week and, and about the, the leadership that Howard brings to the table, even if he is a backup or or if he's, he's the number one um, based on – Jurgen's decision and and the comments Howard has made since uh, does does that change your thinking about this at all? Uh, do do you, I guess what, what what's your thoughts on on the situation? My first thought is that Concacaf Cup is really dumb. <laughs> it, it's not a cup. If they, I swear, if 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 we're at the Rose Bowl and there's a trophy ceremony after this thing, I'm gonna have a meltdown. <laughs> no one deserves any trophies or medals for this. It's not a cup. Come up with another name. Um, my other thought is that I think Grant's right in that perhaps part of Klinsman's idea here is to prevent this from becoming a distraction 
um, prevent speculation and questions that they are probably worried about having to deal with about who's going to play and, and, and who's going to sit and who's a backup and, and the mentality and all that, the history and all that kind of stuff. I think ultimately it, it doesn't matter. I mean, this is the U.S. is fine with either Howard or Guzan and goal. They're both really good goalies. They both started in the Premier League. They've both proven themselves at the international level. Guzan, Guzan had a good gold cup and the U.S. didn't lose the gold cup because of Guzan and it didn't go out of the World Cup because of Howard. This is not the weak point in the team. The team has so many other issues. And so, in a sense, the entire goalkeeper debate's a distraction because it, it, it prevents, it, it, it takes people away from asking why Jurgen can't pick a back four and why this midfield can't hold the ball and why there's not, in, and why when Josie Altidore's hurt, uh, can they not find a striker to partner with Clint Dempsey? You know, all of these questions that are the real reasons this team hasn't really progressed that much. Those are the questions we should be asking, not about which world-class goalie we're going to choose, because it doesn't make that much of a difference in the end. That's that's interesting. Um, I, I I think you're you're right. Um, I I don't think that against Peru, Brazil, or, or Mexico. I mean, Brad Guzan has, has played against Mexico in a, a World Cup qualifier and 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 done quite well. So yeah, if they if, if they don't get to the Confederations Cup, I I, I really have a hard time believing it's going to be because of Brad Guzan. I think there are plenty of other issues that could uh could crop up between now and October 10th uh, that have nothing to do with who, with who's in net. I mean the, the US, even the Keller Friedel, you know, we I've, we we've talked about all oh, this is the first real goalkeeper controversy since Keller Friedel. You know, those were they were really good too. I mean, we're not we're not choosing between also rans here. We're choosing between world class goalkeepers, and and so you know, it just this is a story that that you know maybe it stems from the American sort of the, the you know the obsession with the quarterback controversy or I don't know. I don't. This is just something that Americans like to mull over, and 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 we put a lot of uh, we put a lot of focus on goalies because it's something we're good at. Uh, but in the end, Howard Guzan, full faith in either of them, um, and 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 they will not be. You, the, an American goalie can win you a game, but it's very, very, very rare when an American goalie loses you a game. And 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 I just think you're choosing between two outstanding players, and there are other issues here to worry about. I will say before moving on to those other issues that. I agree with Brian that these are two very good goalkeepers. They start in the Premier League, but I do think this will cause more attention to be paid to little things uh, done by the goalkeeper that, uh, you know, like Guzan's misplay against Jamaica, the crazy call that you never see made by the referee with the handball out just outside the the penalty box that gave Jamaica the goal, the free kick that ended up being the game winning goal. So was that a huge, huge mess up by by Guzan? I don't know if I, I wouldn't call it a howler, but there's going to be more attention, I think, now because of this competition put on little things at the U.S. goalkeeper position. Um, and and one of the things that that we had talked about in in past weeks, Grant, was uh, the timing of of Howard's uh, whether it was his announcement or the the way that Everton framed the announcement of of his. Uh, reiteration of coming back to the U.S. team, you had heard that that caused a, a little bit of, not, not rift necessarily, but some annoyance, some disturbance in, in U.S. camp. Is that perhaps in play? Well, the best way to put it is that it was noticed uh, in the U.S. camp on the day of a game uh, that the U.S. ended up losing. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think having Tim Howard back in camp is a good thing. He's a leader. He's a veteran. Um 
he does have a bit more of an edge, I think, than he used to. I think he's just from some of his comments lately. Uh, he called Brad Friedel and Alexi Lawless clowns for uh, saying some stuff on on Fox that wasn't really that hyperbolic, in my opinion. Uh, and so, you know, that's that's a little interesting to me, and I'm going to be curious to see how Tim Howard uh, says things in the media. The stuff about uh, I don't see myself as a backup is another example of that. So there's a human element here, but uh, but Brian is right. I, I think uh, other positions are in much greater need for the U.S. Uh, and one of those positions is uh, in defense, specifically on the outside backs, where uh, one of the other declarations Jurgen Klinsmann made uh, is that Demarcus Beasley and Fabian Johnson are are his top options on the outside. Not such a surprise about Fabian Johnson, who he called the best right back in the World Cup. Um, whether you agree with that or not, that's that's a pretty heavy statement to make. Uh, but Beasley was retired internationally. Uh, he came back for the Gold Cup. We thought that is the last kick of his international career might be a save penalty kick and the Gold Cup third place game, uh, which would have just been the worst way possible to to go out. But here he is being anointed as as the USA's top left back. Brian, is that? true is that an indictment of the position is is beasley still you know world cup starter caliber uh, we don't know if beasley is is is, is world class capable at the moment um he you know he hasn't had much time with the national team since the world cup where he did well um i i think this is really about the way klinsman has managed or mismanaged the the transition from beasley after his retirement he's really given two guys and only two guys uh, the chance to win the job, and, and that's been Greg Garza and Breck Shea. And so, you know, Breck's had some injury issues. Garza's been okay at the international level, but not great. Um, and 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 there are other guys who, over the past year, Klinsman may have taken a look at, especially, and he pointed this out, especially because Fabian Johnson can play both sides and do just fine at both sides. That allows you to start Johnson on the left and look for a right back or start Johnson on the right and look for a left back. So, I mean, let's think about the guys in the pool who could have gotten a chance over the past year in addition to Garza and Shea to sort of show what they have. I mean, there's Castillo, Zarek Valentin, Brad Evans, Beltran, you know, Michael Parkhurst, Robbie Rogers, Jordan Harvey, Justin Morrow, Chris Tierney, Seth Sinovic, who's been injured. I mean, there's Eric Lehigh. I mean, there's a lot of guys who are doing well in MLS. You know, Adam Henley lost to Wales, but who's, who's a starter at Blackburn. Um, there's a lot of guys who Klinsman could have reached out to over the past year uh, to see if, if they could have given Shea and, and Garza sort of a run at that spot. And he didn't. And now they're out of time. And so now, having not found a replacement, yeah, I understand why Klinsman has, has been sending flowers to Demarcus. It makes sense. Ooh, went went down the list. That's that's the American Abroad spreadsheet that I that I that I sent around to you guys. Uh, <laughs> but it's it's no, it's it's true though. Grant, um, I, I mean, look, Klinsman did once say that anyone can play left back. He put Jose <laughs> Torres at left back in a World Cup qualifier uh, in the last cycle. Is this is this motivation to to get other guys to be like, well, this this old Beasley? I mean, is he really better than me? I mean, or is is this the truth? Or Beasley's the guy? It's crazy that a guy, Demarcus Beasley, who retired from international soccer, is suddenly deemed essential at left back by Klinsman. And I do think this is another case of Klinsman, who doesn't always say what he believes saying what he doesn't really believe. I don't think he views DeMarcus Beasley as essential, but I do think he views him as important 
in a one game kind of must win game against Mexico in October. And he's the guy that he would feel most comfortable having out there in that situation. Beyond that, I don't know. Uh, I do think that Klinsman views Breksha and Greg Garza as guys who uh, who could play that spot. And I don't think that's uh, out, you know, out of this world to think that those guys could, uh, given the right situation. I think the Breksha experiment uh, left back for Orlando and for the U.S. actually has had some decent moments. Uh, he just needs to get healthy. Uh, I think Garza has some pretty good potential. And yes, Fabian Johnson did play that position during the Gold Cup. Not all that well, by the way. Um, but one thing I do find interesting is Johnson is hurt right now, as is Tim- Timmy Chandler, and yet Chandler doesn't come up when Klinsman mentions those fullbacks. So uh, I do wonder where Timmy Chandler stands with, with Jurgen Klinsman right now. He certainly has had some negative moments this year, uh, and the fans are, are kind of, uh, I think, rightly annoyed at him. The fact that I didn't list Chandler w- was not intentional. It was just an oversight as my brain was sort of spinning. But yes, he's in the mix too, obviously. I think that that goal that he had, um, what was that, against Guatemala, I believe. Guatemala, yeah. I think that just bought him more time, honestly. That was that was a, like the best thing that could happen to him, but not necessarily the best thing that could happen to the U.S. Because we've seen time and again on the international level, especially in CONCACAF play where, you know, in, in Honduras and, and places like that where, where the elements kind of add, add another wrinkle. Um, he just hasn't fared well. It's not, not uh, a personal thing. It just, you know, the, the evidence is there. Yeah, I mean, the point is that he gave Chandler and Shea and Garza a lot of games and a lot of opportunities when there were a lot of other guys, some of whom I mentioned, and there are probably more out there who didn't cross my mind, who he could have taken a look at over the past year and, and didn't. And so now he's in a situation where whether whether Beasley is essential or right, and I agree with Grant or just, hey, we, we need to we need to hold our breath and suck this up for another couple months so we can get through the Mexico game. Um, you know, I just it just Klinsman. You know, Klinsman didn't manage this in hindsight maybe as well as he could have. Let's also take a look at Beasley's health a, a month from now. I mean, he, you know, he he made this announcement he was going to come back for the Gold Cup and then only came back for the knockout stage and then was hurt for, you know, for the, the Cuba game, the Jamaica game, and then and then came back in, in the third place game. He's hurt now. He's not going to play in the two friendlies coming up. Uh, let's make sure he's healthy on October 10th first and then, and then see where we go from there. Um, before we before we move on, wanna wanna give you guys the listeners a chance to, to kind of chime in on this. Uh, what do you think about the whole Guzan versus Howard situation? Do you think Beasley is the answer at left back? Let us know on Twitter at uh, si underscore soccer, uh, or you can just leave your comments uh, on this episode on our SoundCloud page or our page on Planet Football. We'd love to hear what you think. Uh, we'll get to discussing the upcoming friendlies right after a short break. Here at Planet Football, we know which one is the real football. But in case the other football is your thing, you've probably heard of our new sponsor, FanDuel. It's one of the most talked about new fantasy sites in the world. Here's what it's all about. FanDuel is the leader in one-week fantasy football with more winners and more payouts than any other site. They will pay out over $75 million a week this football season. Look, we all love fantasy football, but a lot of fans miss out because the whole season is just too much of a time commitment. FanDuel does away with that. You can draft a team anytime and drop into tournaments for weekly cash prizes. Entry fees start at just $1, and there's a league for everyone. Week 1 NFL games are already live in the FanDuel lobby, so you don't have to wait another day to start building your teams. 
Over 1 million players have won money playing fantasy sports on FanDuel, and now it's your turn. Go to FanDuel.com and click on the microphone in the upper right-hand corner and use the code PLANET, P-L-A-N-E-T, and sign up now. There's a special offer for new users. For every dollar you deposit, FanDuel will match it with up to 200 bucks that gets earned as you play. That's a bonus of up to $200. The offer is only good for the first 50 people that use our code PLANET, P-L-A-N-E-T, today, so don't get left out. FanDuel.com, where every day is a new season. That's F-A-N-D-U-E-L.com. Try it out today. All right, welcome back. Um, as you know, the the U.S. men, they play Peru uh, Friday. We're taping this the day before. Uh, Friday at RFK Stadium in Washington, D.C., and then Brazil on Tuesday at Gillette Stadium, home of the freed Tom Brady uh, in Massachusetts. Yeah, I had to, th- had to throw that in there. Come on, it's a good day. Uh, Brian, I, I want to get your, your general thoughts now. We've talked about kind of the specific bigger items that have come out this week. Uh, what are your general thoughts ahead of these two games um, prior to the CONCACAF Cup against Mexico? Uh, do, you, do you think Roger Goodell should be on the FIFA executive committee? It would be a good match. He would fit, yeah. <laughs> um, my, my general thought, uh, other than wondering if the uh, Internet's going to work at a, in a full RFK stadium press box. <laughs> it won't. Come on. It won't. You're right. It won't. Why should I wonder? Um <laughs> You know, I'm really looking to see what the, what the response uh, of this of this team is to what was a, a failure at the Gold Cup, a, a fourth place finish at the Gold Cup, uh, the worst U.S. performance at the tournament in 15 years. You know, are they humbled? Are are they you know indignant? Do they remain confident? Uh, do, does is is their chemistry established over that month that even if it didn't pay off against Jamaica, uh, we start to see signs of it in these two upcoming games. Um, this was this was the biggest setback for this team in Klinsman's tenure. And so you're looking to see. And a lot of these guys were upset after the third place game. I mean, normally U.S. players sort of coming out of the locker room. They're they're happy to chat with us. They're 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 even when defeated, uh, they're professional. Uh, not that they were unprofessional, but, you know, they're they're happy to talk, happy to engage, happy to sort of explain what happened. And and I hadn't seen a U.S. team sort of uh, after a game. Uh, sort of that that sullen or, or or that disappointed. So so it'll be interesting to see how that uh, how that manifests itself over the next couple games. Um, I'm I'm looking to see how Josie Altidore does. I mean, I think his departure from the Gold Cup was significant. I think his injury at the World Cup really hurt the U.S. Uh, a, a healthy and informed and confident Altidore is something that makes the U.S. better. And so I want to see how he does. And then obviously, you know, we're paying attention to the outside backs because of what Klinsman said. But the center backs at the Gold Cup were not good enough. Uh, the, the Brooks and Alvarado partnership, uh, too many mistakes, uh, too many misplays, um, not consistent, not confident. And uh, we need to see Jurgen make a decision about who the best options are against Mexico. I mean, I think it's worth noting that Omar Gonzalez uh, was very, very good uh, against Mexico in Columbus. Uh, in the 2013 qualifier, which is as, as badly as the U.S. has beaten Mexico in, in some time. He was also in there for the shutout at, at Azteca um, in, the, uh, in, um, in March, I guess, of 2013. So he has, he has a good uh, pedigree against Mexico. Um, and then you've got a lot of other guys in there, Beasler, Cameron, Ream, um, who have more experience and, 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 
and Alvarado and Brooks do. And then at the same time, Klinsman's very high in the young guys. So uh, I'll be looking for Altidore's form and I'll be looking for uh, the, the, the competition and chemistry at center back in these two games. All, all really good points. And, and the center backs for sure. I mean, there, there's just so many in there and, and is, is Klinsman going to stick to his guns over, over Alvarado and Brooks? I think that I, I, I don't see how he can, if this is turning into a, a must win situation for this team. Um, nobody sticks to his, nobody sticks to his guns better than Jurgen though. That's what he does. You know? know, so, so we'll see. And, and then another small wrinkle is, is Michael Bradley, uh, you know, missing the Peru game coming in against, uh, against Brazil. And, and, and again, starting to, to wonder whether or not, um, you know, we see Michael and Jermaine paired together in center midfield, uh, you know, does Danny Williams get a look as as a as a more as a truer number six, uh, a guy in front of the the back four who's not going to venture forward as much as Jermaine Jones will? Um, so you know, a lot of permutations there, and and then you look at guys like Alejandro Bedoya and Clint Dempsey, uh, who will start against Mexico if they're healthy. Uh, so so looking to see what kind of their form they're going to be in as well will also be interesting. Don't you feel like we we have this conversation before like every set of US games? It's it's like groundhog day, you know, they they need to work on this, they need to respond from this. They called in these players and we're looking to see if this combination works. I mean, it's we're in what year 5 of of this this regime. We are starting we are starting year 5 and and this has been, you know, this is the uh the double-edged sword of Klinsman's uh, desire to to foster competition uh, within the camp, his desire to expand the player pool, uh, his desire up until sort of recent pronouncements about goalkeeper and outside back that no player should feel comfortable or safe in his position, uh, his desire to to very actively recruit uh, dual nationals um, and for the most part being successful. Although we may, I don't know if he tried to recruit Adam Henley uh, at Blackburn, but at uh, Henley will play for Wales. Uh, in the upcoming qualifiers. So, so the the other side of that coin is that, yeah, we have just an immense amount of churn in the player pool. And then on top of that, things Klinsman could do nothing about. Injuries, form, suspensions, things of that nature. You know, uh, he's been unlucky, I think, in some respect, that so often players like Altidore, Dempsey, Fabian Johnson, Jermaine Jones, I mean, big big-time players have been hurt at, uh, you know, inopportune times. But that's life of a national team coach. But yeah, it's. Uh, I feel like I've written the same story a hundred times over the past four years. No question. <laughs> yeah, it's. I. You know, it's. And like you said, there are things that that he can't control. That's fine. And I think there's obviously a spotlight on him because of who he is and the expectations that he absolutely came in with, and yep. and you know all of the, you know the chase to to lock him down that that Sunil Gulati went on basically, and and now here we are asking a lot of questions that we asked before a lot of U.S. games, but. And that being said, here we are. <laughs> well, and, and, and he's and he's made some, you know, he's made some fundamental changes in the way the team plays uh, during the course of his tenure. None bigger uh, than the decision he made a month or two out of the World Cup uh, to, to ask Michael Bradley uh, to 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 push forward more uh, to, to even sometimes push up between forwards um, and to and to really be a, a playmaker. You know, and not and not be sort of the the defensive number six, uh, you know, destroyer slash possession metronome that he'd been so for so much of his career. That fundamentally changed this team, and what it does is it has a, a domino effect on the roles of other players uh, in in the first eleven, and 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 the way 
uh, the kinds of responsibilities and cover that that other players are responsible for. So, you know, it, it takes time to work that sort of stuff out. I think we've seen Bradley grow into that position over the past year. Um, but then, and like I said, it has an effect on what other players are asked to do. Um, and the, the, the bad luck that Josie Altidore has had getting hurt in major tournaments, I think, has also had an effect. So, um, you know, he, he's Klinsman, as, I, as I've written, as we've talked about. He, he was hired to make long-term foundational changes. And so, yeah, there are going to be fits and starts and, and steps backward, and, and that's the way it's going to go. I mean, there's, there was no other way to do that sort of thing in a country like this. Well, when USA plays Brazil, it'll be a matchup of two of MLS's best, Bradley and Kaká, right? Kaká back in the mix. That's true. That's true. And 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 uh, it's cool to see Kaká get called up, and it was cool to see Sebastian Juvinko get called up. And even though he's not going to be able to play for Italy, the fact that these guys can come to MLS and, and play well and, and remain on their national team's radar is a good sign. Yeah, that is definitely a good sign. Neymar, of course, uh, the, the headliner for Brazil. And if there's ever a, a good test for the U.S. center backs and, and outside backs, I, I would think that Neymar might might be a good one uh might, might pose a couple challenges um down uh down in gillette stadium so look we'll see what happens with these two games uh i don't think the results matter as as much as um you know just just seeing that there is a, a building block and and a foundation i mean these are two good teams peru finished third in copa america brazil sure. brazil is obviously brazil did not have a great copa america but that, that you know that doesn't really matter when when you see the the five stars in their jersey um so look, two good tests, and then Mexico going through some turmoil of its own. You know, new coach, uh, the Dos Santos brothers excluded from from their friendlies against Argentina and Trinidad and Tobago. They pretty much have two games to start from scratch uh, with with a new manager and, and get it right. So a lot of moving parts, um, a lot of two, you could say two unstable teams really going going into this winner takes all game uh, for who gets to. I guess it's a good thing who gets to go to Russia in, in the summer of twenty seventeen. Uh, rather, rather go. You'd rather go than not go. And then obviously winning the CONCACAF Cup. I mean, being the CONCACAF Cup champion. The, I mean, first, the first winner. That's incredible. What a, what a historic feat uh, hope, to, win, to win this this prestigious trophy. I hope there's um, a trophy. I hope there's confetti. I hope they just go all out. Yeah, I mean, where's, where's the trophy? Where's the, you know, is there, a, is there a logo yet? You know, I mean, this, this stuff matters, you know. Um, <laughs> no, this is a good test for Jurgen. I mean, this is, you know, Jürgen, like I said, I mean, a lot of what Jurgen does uh, and a lot of the tinkering and the experimenting and the, and the challenging his players in different ways. I mean, so much of that can be explained by, well, he's here to change the culture of American soccer. He's here to change uh, the, the, the approach of the American player, the, the way we develop, the way we, uh, you know, the, the way we behave as professionals, all that kind of stuff that he talks about all the time. So much of what he does can be explained well. Yeah, you know, he's, he's looking – this is about long-term change. And, and, and so, you know, what happens today, what happens this month, you know, is, is only a tiny, tiny part of that. But this is a game that, that, that I mean, going to the Confederations Cup is something that he said is critical. And, and there's a very clear, uh, I don't know, assignment now in front of it, which is you have two friendlies, you have a week plus of training, and then you have the 90 minutes against Mexico. Can he build and plan a team and and, and uh, the system and the tactics and the lineup that will win this game in front of him. And this was something that, you know, Bob Bradley was very good at, um, but that Jurgen has sort of juggled with his long-term mandate, his technical director and all that sort of thing. So all the, none of that matters now. I want to see if Jurgen can develop a plan and develop a team that's going to win that October 10th game against Mexico. And this is an intriguing test for him as a, as a coach. 
You know Andrew Wooten is going to score like four game, four goals in these two games and then score a hat-trick against Mexico, and that's just going to be the end of it. <laughs> like you none, know, none of, none of what we've just said is going to actually manifest itself. Except Your Andrew lack Wooten. of confidence in Bobby Wood is disturbing. Well, if they need a goal down in the 90th minute, then, then they'll deliver. That's what he does. Yeah, well, and that would be, uh, you know, we've joked about the Jurgen dust, right? Well, what would be more Jurgen dust than Bobby Wood or, or Andrew Wooten coming off the bench and scoring a winner against Mexico? That would be absolutely amazing. Oh, man. Well, we'll see what happens. Uh, Brian, I know you got to get going. Actually going to be interviewing Alejandro Bedoya this afternoon, so keep an eye out for that on... That's the plan. Yep. Yeah, so keep an eye out for that on, on Planet Football, and uh, we will talk to you next week. Sounds good, man. All right. From MLS and European football to NFL games and MLB playoffs, there's nothing like seeing the action up close. With the new SeatGeek app, it's never been easier to find a great deal, pay for your tickets, and get to your seat with a few taps of your phone. And for listeners of the show, use the promo code PLANET in the SeatGeek app and get a $20 rebate off your first SeatGeek purchase. It takes less than a minute to download, and the app is free in iPhone and Google Play stores. SeatGeek does a ton of things that other ticketing sites don't such as aggregating from big-ticket sites. Just like you can consolidate flight and hotel options online, SeatGeek pulls in ticket options from hundreds of online ticket sellers to create a one-stop shop for sports and concert tickets. When you shop on SeatGeek, you're seeing virtually every ticket option available for that game all on one page. No need to go anywhere else. Also, they have this great feature called Deal Score. It ranks every ticket on the market with a 1 to 100 value score and plots the best deals on a color-coded interactive map of the venue so you can easily identify the best ticket values in the building at a glance. Finally, SeatGeek's mobile app makes the ticket buying process seamless, easy, and reliable. If you decide to catch a game with your friends at the last minute, don't subject yourself to sketchy scalpers or fake tickets. On SeatGeek, you can store your credit card, and once you find a ticket you want to buy, you can complete the purchase with just two quick taps. There's no faster way to buy tickets. To redeem your promo code and save $20 on tickets, download the free SeatGeek app today. Enter promo code PLANET in the app, and SeatGeek will then send you $20 once you've made your first SeatGeek purchase. Find the best deals on world football, NFL preseason, and concert tickets too, all on SeatGeek. And again, don't forget to claim your $20 rebate off your first ticket purchase by downloading the SeatGeek app and entering the promo code PLANET. Uh, we're back. Uh, Grant Wall, welcome back. Uh, I know you're on the go in D.C., trying to track down a, a few people, maybe even sneak in a, a quick little Nando's lunch. God, do I miss being down in D.C. Ah. for that. That place is the best. Um, we want to we wanna close with some transfer talk. Uh, the David De Gea debacle, um, just a, an absolute mess. I think that kind of stole the headlines. Uh, as the window shut earlier this week across Europe, I guess, what was your take on this? Is Real Madrid to blame? Is Manchester United to blame? Is is it just just two teams in 2015 being unable to, to execute this, the simplest thing possible? I think they're both to blame, to be honest. Uh, you know, you're talking about billion-dollar clubs to the biggest sports franchise in the world, and they can't get the paperwork done in time to get the deal to go through after everyone's agreed to it. Uh, that's embarrassing, shocking, whatever word you want to use, and kind of funny <laughs> as well. <laughs> uh, and, you know, uh, Real Madrid shouldn't have waited as long as they did. They were pretty arrogant about it. It seemed that they could just get the deal done. Uh, and Man United, uh, you know, 
maybe a little incompetence on their end. Uh, that's a little bit uh, of a gray area. Um, but it certainly this could have been handled a heck of a lot better. And I do wish the transfer window closed before the start of the European club season because it's been uh, weird to see David De Gea not playing and being on the sidelines in recent weeks for United. And now uh, there's going to need to be some convincing done, I think, to get him in the right frame of mind to, to move forward with this team. And we'll see what kind of lingering tensions there are between Man United and Real Madrid moving forward in the future. I hope some people learn some lessons though on, on this one because it made everyone a pet. Yeah, I you know, I I just start to wonder if it's just kind of a masterstroke by Real Madrid at this point. And this, they've done this in the past, right? You kind of destabilize a, a potential target that you want, the price goes down. I mean in this case they can get David De Gea for free in May when the season's over. Um they've got a capable goalkeeper in Kaylor Navas, who by the way has just been so just pray for him. He's been so overlooked in this entire thing. He's just kind of a throw-in in this deal. He's a really good goalkeeper uh, who's been totally just like cast aside. And now he's got a chance to be a hero for Real Madrid. Um, we'll see what happens with him, Costa Rica's uh, standout goalkeeper. Um, but, and look, you know, Manchester United was was apparently after Sergio Ramos earlier this summer. That These two teams have, have gone back and forth. I mean, it's it's not just the, the De Gea thing. It's just kind of the, the peak of all of it. But it's uh, it's fascinating to see these two teams, these two factories, really, um, just just come at, at odds over this. And now each has put out a statement, kind of blasting the other and, and defending what they did. Uh, it's it's not up there with, with Peter Odomwingi. That's still my favorite transfer transfer deadline story ever. Um, but Heck. <laughs> but just just close to it you know i mean like we see these things happen every once in a while and, it, and this man united real madrid thing i think kind of reflects general things that we already thought about ed woodward the chief executive of united is he competent still not sure uh and florentino perez uh the boss at real madrid is he too arrogant uh i think i do have an answer for that <laughs> hmm, i wonder wonder what that answer might be uh <laughs> Manchester United also spent a ridiculous amount of money, depending on on where you're reading it or, or what you believe. Anywhere between what 50 million euros, 80 million euros on on Anthony Marshall. And if we did a, a poll of of listeners, readers, fans around the world, I have a hard time think believing that you all would put him in the 50 to 80 million euro range. Um, 19 year old kid from Monaco, he could be great. We have no idea, but they just spent a ton of money on potential, whereas they would not add in a couple extra million pounds for Pedro. What, what do you make of that? Well, by far, for me, the most intriguing character coming out of this full transfer window is Anthony Martial. I mean, he, we haven't seen much of this guy, even if you watch the sport quite a bit. And people in France who do see him a lot are, are amazed at how much money Man United has spent on this 19-year-old. And... Uh, for me, that becomes a question of, does this become an albatross around Martial's neck of this, this price tag in the stratosphere for a guy who's not proven uh, at club or international level yet? And uh, there's other young guys in France, uh, like Lacazette from Lyon, uh, who Man United could have gotten for less money uh, than, than Martial. So uh, sometimes just as media attention is something that, affects a player. Uh, so sometimes it's just general attention, price tags, things like that. So now I hope Man United has some support for Martial to deal with all this stuff because he's going to wear the number nine uh, 
you know, you can say all you want that this guy going to have some time to, to develop within the system, but they didn't get another proven striker like they really needed during this window. And, and there are going to be people who expect him to be the guy that provides them. Yeah, and just the expectations on him are going to be absolutely insane. Um, I, I, I mean, the, the first time he misses a sitter, Twitter is going to explode. Um, more potential to be the next Fernando Torres is the butt of everyone's joke than the Fernando Torres that was scoring all the goals for Liverpool. But hey, it's a good opportunity for him too, right? He comes in, scores a couple goals, and and all of a sudden he's the hero. Um, but uh, that's a that's a tough spot to be in. Um, but hey, he's a he's a very rich man, so. Good for him. I was doing a lot more than 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 what I was doing at nineteen. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, are there any other moves uh, that stood out for you during this window, either deadline day or or maybe even a little before, that you think might might change the the landscape of some of our preseason picks, or do you think things are, you know, regardless of how much money was spent or or who went where, things might be as as straightforward as as we might have thought. Well, I think one big question is Kevin De Bruyne going for so much money to Man City, and I don't think they needed him to win the Premier League. I really don't. But I do think he provides high, high-quality depth that could really help him in Champions League with so much stuff going on. I think Man City should be viewed as a, a candidate to win Champions League. And if they, they don't go deep in the tournament, that's a problem. Yeah, with the the cast that they have, with how Yaya Torre is playing, with how Vincent Kompany is playing, they're playing at that championship level that they had before. Uh, they look. They have looked very strong in the Premier League, and and of course, it's it's a little bit of a of a nod towards Jose Mourinho, right? And you you know, you sold this guy, you didn't play this guy, and and now we're splashing all the cash on him and bringing him in, and and he could be part of the reason that you don't repeat, uh, <laughs> on a long list of other reasons based on the way Chelsea's playing right now. But uh, it's definitely an interesting move um, for Man City to make one that was long expected. Um, but I I think you're right they might be in a difficult champions league group but there's really no reason um at this point to to take them as anything less than than a serious contender yeah i think so i also another another champions league team in fact the one that sold him uh wolfsburg took that de Bruyne money and picked off julian draxler uh from Schalke, who was headed to juventus until the very last second and, and that looks like a smart move to me uh uh, to Wolfsburg to give themselves a chance to advance in their group. Uh, uh, you know, that's a team that theoretically can do well, but they sold Dubon, they sold Ivan Perisic, they did bring in Dante as well from Bayern. I think it's a pretty decent defender. So Wolfsburg at least went from a team that seemed to be sort of heading toward Champions League oblivion based on who they were giving up to a team that may actually have what it takes to advance. Yeah, um, in terms of the Bundesliga, I, I don't think that any list of moves they could make will will prevent Bayern Munich from winning. But it definitely look they they beat them in uh, what the the Super Cup, uh, Germany's edition of the Super Cup anyway, and um, it makes them an interesting team to watch for sure. Um, in terms of Concacaf, got the Andre Edlin going to Sunderland on loan. Uh, do you like this move for him? I'd like to see him get playing time. So if he gets playing time in the Premier League, I think that's a good thing. Uh, you know, it's for a team that's going to need to defend a fair amount. And that's always been a question about Yedlin is, does he have what it takes to be a, a really good defender? We'll get a sense this season, I think. So in that sense, I think this could be a good thing. Uh, the history of Americans at Sunderland hasn't been great. 
Uh, Claudia Arena got relegated with them, uh, and then uh, did the Altador. Didn't play a heck of a lot. Uh, Lindsay Beach is there now. Uh, I just made his first team debut. Uh, but, you know, I'll pay a little more attention to Sunderland games than I might have otherwise. And if you're DeAndre Evelyn, you just want to get playing time. I mean, until now, it's been worth asking the question, should you stay in Seattle? Uh, if you get time in the Premier League on the field with Sunderland, then uh, I think uh, the answer will be he should have moved here. And that's always the question, right? Um, you know, regardless of the stature of the team, are you going to play? Uh, and and I think for, for Yedlin and, and the people rooting for him, you hope the answer is yes. Uh, but, man, we got to start watching Sunderland games again. Uh, God. <laughs> it's the best. Oh, uh, man, that was... Especially because you knew Josie wasn't going to come on until, like, the 80th minute <laughs> at best. Uh, that was... Uh, here we go again. Um, other big moves in CONCACAF. Mexico actually had a, had a really fruitful transfer window. Chicharito going to Bayer Leverkusen. I think that's a great move for him. Again, provided he plays, but it's a Champions League team. It's a full transfer. It's a blow for MLS who thought they were going to get him potentially. Um, and then Porto. Jesus Corona uh, going over there. Miguel Ayun on loan. Uh, they joined Hector Herrera, who's there. So that team has, has kind of become Fulham's answer to a, what, what Fulham was to America. Is you know Porto is now in Mexico. Um, big moves for for big players, and and over the course of of this World Cup qualifying campaign, we'll we'll see what that does for them. Um, I, I was mean, watching Univision the other day, actually, and, and there was a Portuguese league game on. I was like, when did Univision get the Portuguese league? Uh, and smartly, they have because there's always Mexicans playing over there. I really like Porto. I can only tend to see them on TV for Champions League, but now that there's so many Mexicans there. Uh, fully expect to see more league games on U.S. television. Yeah, and it's kind of like Bundesliga on on Fox now. A good chance to to watch a lot of the Americans that that play over there. Uh, I think. Uh, speaking of Fox, you're, you're doing sideline for USA Peru, huh? I am indeed for uh, the Fox Sports One broadcast. Uh, I was just in Peru. I think I mentioned this on a previous pond. There, uh, there's some optimism about Peru finally at, uh, at home after they finished third in Copa America, but just checking the history and preparation for this week, they finished third the Copa America the previous time in 2011 and still didn't qualify for the following World Cup. They, they just out by 10 points. So um, uh, this seems to be, though, uh, a team a little bit on the rise uh, under Ricardo Gareca and a better opponent for the U.S. than most fans might have originally thought when the game was announced. Uh, they brought most of the guys that started uh, for uh, their Copa America run. Paolo Guerrero is hurt, so not expected to start up top. Uh, against the U.S., but guys like Jefferson Farfan leading um, uh, the way there, a guy who joined TFC at the same time that Marcus Beasley joined way back in his day. Uh, but this is uh, maybe not uh, a ton of well-known guys, but young players for Peru, a lot of guys in their early 20s uh, who did show well down in Chile, and I think it should be a good opportunity for the U.S. Will Grant Wall's hat be making an appearance on the sideline? Fox is not allowing the hat these days to appear. So oh, um, we'll see what kind of forecast there is. Uh, if there is rain, the, the Grant Wallace trench coat might appear. <laughs> I'm locking down that Twitter account now. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, Grant, thanks for thanks for joining us. Thanks for switching from, from Skype to phone to be a little bit more mobile. I know it's not always easy on the road, uh, but I appreciate the time today. Always a pleasure. All right. And... Uh, and for you all, thanks again for listening. If you have any thoughts on on the transfer window, I know we, we got a little away from that. Um, definitely 
Feel free to share those with us as well. Uh, again, on, on Twitter at SI underscore soccer, or just leave a comment for us uh, on our page on Planet Football or on SoundCloud. Uh, and I think that's going to wrap it up. Uh, we'll be back next week to recap what happened with the U.S. Uh, against Peru and Brazil um, and, and look a little forward on some other things as well. So for Brian Strauss, for Grant Wall, for our producer Alex Abnos, I am Avi Creditor. Thanks for listening to the Planet Football Podcast. We'll talk to you next week. Do you know about the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one daily sports podcast network? Locked On has a daily podcast on every NBA and NFL team, plus a growing lineup of college and MLB teams. You get a daily bite-sized podcast giving you the latest on your team from the local experts. Lakers fans, search Locked On Lakers. Cowboys fans, search Locked On Cowboys. Just search Locked On, your favorite team, on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, or tell your smart speaker to play podcast Locked On, your favorite team. Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.